Dear Kirby, <laughs> do you think someone that captured this big horse or this glowing beast <laughs> would have gone for a fake punt on 4th and 12 from the 50 with the college football playoff on the line? I don't, and neither does my big horse. Sincerely, <laughs> your next offensive coordinator who will run the ball when we're down a touchdown with the back of averaging 5.8 yards per carry, Samantha. That was the first one. Oh, there's more than one. Oh, there's three. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today we're going to do a thing. We're going to do our official first off-season episode. Yeah, we're going to do... This is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do some a much-needed review of the Sugar Bowl, question mark. No, it mm-hmm. is neither needed, nor will it be really a review. We will talk about it briefly and then move on to more interesting things. And we're yeah. going to talk about some stuff uh, going through the off-season you'll get a little bit of stats but we'll also talk about recruiting transfers nrl nfl declarations coach searches um and maybe some ask cbc if we actually get people to volunteer although i did only ask like two minutes ago oh no we got one hey abby key coming in in the clutch hey our listeners are so loyal specifically yes, abby key. <laughs> yeah we're just going to be talking about football for a little bit because you know Oh, also we can talk about Samantha and I's uh, my my plan to get my wife to be the next offensive coordinator at Ugh. the University of Georgia. Understanding, of course, then. that we've already hired one. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll get to that though. Yeah. So, and first off, so I mean, yeah, so so essentially, first off, we have to we do have to just briefly talk about the Texas game. There's not much to talk yeah. about, but we'll yeah. do our best to to talk about it a little yeah. bit. First off. You know, those that listened to the last episode know that you were at the Sugar Bowl, of course. We spoke while you were in the hotel where everyone that was related to Georgia program mm-hmm. uh, at all was staying at. So how was your experience? What did you do? How much bourbon did you drink on Bourbon Street, et cetera, et cetera? Um, not a lot, really. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it was it was a good time. Um, New Orleans is an excellent... It was a good time. You know, not much bourbon drink, honestly. Uh I discovered that New Orleans is a very excellent, uh, it's a good people watching city when you're sober. And, you know, I mean, we went out on New Year's Eve and sort of saw the sights, uh, but my my frivolity was curtailed because <laughs> it was 11 p.m. Um, Eastern time. And I was trying to get over, we were in the French Quarter, and I was trying to get over to the river a couple of blocks away uh, to call my wife because it was a little bit it was a little crowded there because there were people getting ready for the fireworks, but it still wasn't too crazy. And so I was walking over and I accidentally walked into the back of a Florida Georgia line concert. And it was just like (laughs) my own personal hell. It was like, it was like, it was caught. It was literally Kafkaesque. I was just like, this is the worst part. This is the worst part of everything. A Georgia and a Georgia, Florida line concert, Florida, Georgia. I don't care. That stupid band's concert attended only by rich Texas fans and drunk Georgia frat boys. It's like, <laughs> if you were going to drop me into my own Tartarus where the Greek gods punished me for all eternity <laughs> with the same ironic punishment, that's what you do. 
You just put me right there. And I called Samantha and I think she thought something was wrong because I was just sounded, I was just so like dejected and angry and sad. Just beside yourself. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I can't believe what I've just seen. What have I just seen? I just uh, imagine you wandering like through an alleyway and you hear something really fun or at least something you perceive to be fun going on. And you wander in there and your polo tucked into your khakis and you still have your visor on your, your mouth is like wide. Kind of like how you do when you're you're really observing a situation. I don't know. Listeners may not know this because they don't get to watch you do things typically, but it's something I'm very well aware of. Is kind of you're you're like I'm still observing and analyzing how to feel about this situation. Face. Yeah, that, it's a little slack jawed. My default reaction is a little slack jawed, and I wasn't. I, I was actually not like I was fratting it up, but not that hard. I had I was doing the like fifty uh, year old Georgia fan Columbia, mm-hmm. um, which was also super fun. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I, I managed to get through that. I called Samantha. I called my wife. We had a good time. You know, and it's one of the one of the interesting things is that like, I mean, you know, you're an adult. You're the you're the like you're the responsible in the room. You can't be crazy. And so I just was sort of walking around Bourbon Street sober a lot of times, just seeing things happen and being like, "How is that appropriate?" <laughs> like like at eight p.m. one night. It was, it was, we just gotten done eating and it was literally 8 p.m. And we walk by this like balcony and we look up and we hear this voice go, Hey, are you Georgia fans? And we look <laughs> up and it's these two 12 year old girls. And we were like, Yeah. And then they were like, Okay. And they threw beads at us. But these things were like, like damn hand grenades, man. Like, like not the drink, but like just the, like, <laughs> like the, each bead was the size of a f- baseball. And like, so I, I took mine right in the effing face. Um, and yeah, so it was just stuff like that where it was like, did that just happen or did we all like have a shared hallucination that it happened? Um, so that part was kind of fun. Um, I got some really good coffee, went to Cafe Du Monde. We had some really good food. We went to two sort of a little bit more off the beaten path places that aren't like Gumbo Shop or all the places that you hear about and uh, had some very, very good food, had a lot of crawfish because I don't really think you get good crawfish outside of South Georgia and uh, New Orleans. And I don't go to either of those places very often. So that was fun. And, you know, the game the game sucked. But, you know, actually, I found the sh- uh, Sugar Bowl people pretty easy to uh, win with. Uh, we got to hang out, or to hang, or pretty easy to deal with. Uh, they, they sped us right along in and out. The catering was really good. Um, we got to hang out for a couple of hours uh, right after, uh, or right before the game with Texas's band. And that was really cool. We got to, like, eat a meal with Texas's band and um, talk to them. And it was, it was actually pretty cool. Most... A lot of times having two bands around each other is like having two strange cats in a room and having them <laughs> like making them eat together. I don't know that it, it was a, the, the sort of cultural and philosophical matchup between Texas's band and Georgia's band was uh, pretty good, actually, I will say. Um, and so we got a big picture with all the Texas Sousas and the Georgia Sousas, and they were just as weird, if not weirder than we were. So <laughs> it all works out. Yeah. Uh, what are some some favorite pieces of the actual game that uh, you were able to take away with you? I mean, looking watching Bevo, uh, I was there when Bevo like quote unquote ran at Uga. He didn't. He he Bevo didn't. He just tried to get out of his thing. I don't think he could actually see Uga. No. Although I do feel I do feel f- sorry for that steer. Oh yeah, for um, sure. Really, nothing about the game. I saw Matthew McConaughey like two feet away from me. That was pretty cool. No, really nothing else. That That's about it. Matthew McConaughey, Bevo. To be fair, that's pretty much my, my same experience. It, I kind of, the day of, like when, when it was all happening, I knew it was happening that night. I was kind of perturbed that it was coming on so late at night, first of all. 
uh, on a Monday. Because yeah. yeah. why? 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 Yeah. Why, Tyler? Why? Why? Um, why? Why? <laughs> why? Uh, yeah, and then we'll see, like, I got really low in about the third quarter, just, like, kind of spiraling. Because I had to get up the next day and go straight to... Um, we had to, I had to get up the next day, get in the car, drive all the way back to Athens, go to sleep and at like 10, and then get up the day after that and go straight to uh, the first day of school with students. So yeah, I was in this. a pretty, pretty dark place there for a minute, um, but I'm good now. I'm back. Yeah, you're back. It's We're, we're truly in the throes of the off season. So yeah, uh, yeah. Who, who gives a damn about dumb old Texas anyway? The last minute of the game was really stupid at that point, at some point. I was just I was uh, tweeting and texting everyone I knew like please someone just shoot me like I'm I'm lying on the floor <laughs> bleeding out stop resuscitating me and then killing me again yeah like, like the game had already been decided by the time they they sat there and and tried to call those penalties and try to sort it all out yeah it didn't matter it didn't matter and then even by the end yeah. of it it still didn't make any sense yeah it was real stupid um, but just like you said Lil Jordan Humphrey I really enjoyed all the memes that came out of that yeah. I'm trying yeah, to remember I mean, any of the memes, but I, I... He's very good. It's been too long. Yeah. Um, I, I also really, just, really thought, like... No, what were you going to say? Huh? Oh, just the, the, the idea of being able to, to name your offspring after yourself by just adding Lil on the front. That's all. I just enjoy yeah. it. I love it, yeah. I love it so much. I also... <laughs> I mean, like, we could have won this game, yeah. like, if we had not played so crappily in the first quarter. Yeah. Like, that was my takeaway. Like... I don't really care about this game and I don't think you should care about this game either. And I don't think you should get on the message boards and be like, well, what a month UGA is having, huh? I mean, like the kind of reaction that happened to this game is basically the reason that we started this podcast. Yep, where it's like, yep. Oh, the momentum's all again against them. Momentum might exist in a game. Momentum does not exist in a program. That's not how this works. No, like that you're, you're, you're trying to like graft like this thin veneer of human narrative onto a, uh, onto a system that is far too complex to you know to fit that neatly into anything mm-hmm. yeah and we can go down the stats real quick just to kind of break it down because this game if you take out the first quarter georgia wins the game but that's not how mm. football works of course but if you want to look at the whole game of stats uh just kind of taking everything into account these teams look pretty even down mm-hmm. top mm-hmm. to bottom mm-hmm. start to finish They're, they both played honestly kind of a bad game yeah, Texas just did I mean, a little just, bit better. <laughs> uh, Texas had like two or three good drives. Yeah, they had a couple good drives, and they were able to turn the ball over twice. Well, they outplayed. I mean, they shut down. We shut down the run game pretty well. I'll be. I'll be real yeah. about that. Um, but you know, they shut down the run game with the same. You know, with the same run blitz every time. We didn't do a great job of adjusting, but we also didn't do a great job of executing. So it's one of those things where it's like they won the game fair and square, but it's like there's a different world where UGA comes to play in this game and wins. Mm-hmm. And so I, do, I don't know how much of this is like Nick Saban loses the Sugar Bowl after he goes to, after he doesn't get into the college football playoff. Because that's what this feels like to me, honestly. I thought it was really neat. We got to see a lot of fresh faces and a lot of new positions on defense specifically. Like if you look down the uh, the defensive stats, just all the people registering tackles at all, it's, it's a lot, some of the same folks, but you're missing a lot of uh, bigger names and... You're not seeing like the, you know, it's just a, it's just an odd mix of people. And even sitting there watching uh, the defensive line, the offensive line that night, I just remember thing, thinking like, who is that? I haven't heard that name. Like, that's a brand new person. And so that was kind of neat to have that happen. But 
it's just a strange game. It was a weird game that ultimately really doesn't matter, except for maybe the preseason ranking, which also doesn't matter. Um, and I, I don't say all this to say, like, you know, what we saw during the Sugar Bowl is, you know, we, we don't care because it doesn't matter kind of thing. It's more like, it's just not a big deal. Because at the end of the yeah. day, and this is what I told my, my coworker when I saw her the next day, she's like, oh, you must be pretty upset about the loss. And I was like, at the end of the day, it's still a dumb ball play with a dumb game played with an oblong ball. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, with a and bunch I'll of seventeen-year-olds. Yeah, and I'll see you and, back in August. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too worried about it, you know. And actually, I what? Oh, man, I know this would be a pain to do, but I really would. I would really like if you would go and pull the audio from our last episode where I said, "Here's what I'll say if we win. Here's what oh, I'll yeah. say if we lose. If we win, it's very good that the seniors got sent out on a win." Um, I liked how much the seniors contributed. I think this has been a very important class to UJ's development and really the class that maybe they didn't see the promised land, but I think this is the Moses class where they got to glimpse it and, you know, everybody else is going to get the promised land before they do, you know, um, I'm, I was also very happy to see the uh, contributions from the freshmen and, but, you know, ultimately next year's team is next year's team. And we'll see what happens. If we lost, it sucks for the seniors. I'm sorry that they had to go out with a bad taste in their mouth. They're a very important class to this team. Our, uh, you know, they were kind of the Moses class and then they never got into the promised land, but they really were important to us. And ultimately, I thought the freshmen played well, but next year's team is next year's team. <laughs> That's all you take away from this game. It's literally changed like we five will copy and paste that to yeah, the future yeah, exactly. bowl games. Basically, feel bad for the feel bad for the seniors, but you know, this game wasn't a big deal. Still a great season. This is our rebuilding yeah. year. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is the, the the best thing I can walk away from the season with. But, uh, you know, it, it came down to we had a real hard time starting and uh, it was too late when we did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's what yeah. it comes down to, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, let's let's talk about the the team coming out of this game. I, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, recruiting transfers nfl decorations all that let's get it let's get into this yeah so the players that actually uh declared following this game uh you had elijah holyfield you had riley ridley isaac nauda mccall hartman which are four big names that we didn't not all four of them i expected to come out i did not expect elijah holyfield i didn't expect riley ridley mccall hartman was a toss-up nauda made sense is how i looked at it and we had all four of them so where do we sit now what do you think what's going on i mean uh... You know, I mean, you're not going to, you can't act like that those are good things, but that's going to happen when you have, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, that's just like kind of the price of business. And it's interesting because nobody talks about how, well, fewer people have been trying to troll Alabama about how they had seven people leave. You know what I mean? Leave early and we had five and, and it's not, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying like, that's just the price of having one of the better teams in the nation. Mm -hmm. And it's very rare that you get a team like last 2017, um, Georgia or 2018 Alabama, where everyone just decides to stay. That's a very rare thing. It hardly ever happens, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think we have, you know, honestly, like, the only guy on that list without an immediate replacement uh, might be Isaac Nata, just because we don't really have anything that anybody like him on the on the depth chart. Although, to what extent we're willing to use the tight end is questionable, considering that we don't. Um, but that might not be an issue anymore, mm-hmm. because so maybe it'll be more important that we do get one. I've heard that we, we got a commitment from one tight end already. Uh, this was after the departure of Isaac Nata. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaac Nata left, and Luke Ford transferred. So what we had Ryland Godey already, but then after uh, Nata and Luke Ford transferred, we actually immediately offered 
Oh, yeah, so Brett Seether is a guy associated with our new tight end coach, but then we also uh, offered the number one overall Juco tight end in the nation right now. So, I mean, it looks like we're trying to reload a tight end, and I really think tight end, can, if if Coley is going to use the tight ends, which I think he is, and if we do have a good tight ends coach now, which I think we do, I think we're going to be seeing the tight ends a lot more featured in this offense. You know, I'm not saying they're going to be, like, the, the biggest wide receivers, but I'm just saying, like, that's going to just, it's going to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, I would look... F- I, I would be interested to see how that continue, how that looks going forward. Yeah. Oh yeah, Stetson Bennett is back. <laughs> he looks just like Uncle Rico. Yeah. He went Stetson up to JUCO and, and decided your, to your Uncle Rico, Stetson oh, Bennett. Boy. Although I'll be real, the fact that Stetson Bennett left and then went and then went to um, visited UMass and then was like, you know what, F it, I'm going back to Georgia. Mm-hmm. That is just so good, especially since he waited until Justin Fields left. So mm-hmm. Justin Fields is gone. He went to Ohio State. Um, and and Stetson Bennett waited until Justin Fields left and was like, "Well, now I got a shot. Now yeah. that I don't have Justin Fields in front of me, got it now." And then he came back, to, came back home. Feels Goodman, I like that a lot. Everybody has nothing but good things to say about Stetson Bennett as well. And and I imagine he will be the number two, unless for whatever reason, Dewan Mathis uh, just comes out and decides to be a complete stud right out the bat, or if John Riss Plumley. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, he... decides to commit. Mm-hmm. You know, so we we got Dewan Mathis after Justin Fields left. John Mathis is a four star. Um, he is a dual threat guy. He's got a big arm. He's a big guy. He runs pretty well. Not uh, considered to be like the most accurate passer. You know, he's, uh, he's the ninth best quarterback in his class, though. So it's not yeah, that bad. But, <laughs> yeah, but a guy that we basically swapped with Ohio State. So that's mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, looking down the list of people that'll play immediately, I think is important to see folks like Nolan Smith. We've been talking. We've talked about Nolan Smith before, but uh, I am so stoked on Nolan Smith. He's the number one overall yeah. for this entire class. Uh, he's going to play immediately, most likely. He is like a thousandth of a point right below Justin Fields, who was previously our, our highest ranked yeah. recruit of all time, and now we have Nolan Smith coming in right behind him. And he is just a cheesing little fool, and he looks adorable, and I love him. What do you know about? Yeah, Nolan I mean, Smith? I think. I think Nolan Smith and Jermaine Johnson, um, who is the number one overall outside linebacker at the JUCO at the JUCO level, but I, I think that you know both of those guys are going to be a huge addition to this team last year or to this team this year. You know, I think we had pretty good outside linebackers this year, but I mean, you people inside of this program and like insiders will tell you that like there just wasn't a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. That just wasn't what. That wasn't what our inside linebackers did well. Um, and, you know, go, getting Nolan Smith, we're going to be going back to the days of Lorenzo Carter. And, I mean, honestly, probably better. If, I, if Lorenzo Carter had panned out, that's what Nolan Smith looks like. Nolan Smith mm-hmm. is bigger than him. He's more filled out. He's a giant man. Uh, he runs well. He's so fast. God, he's so fast. Yeah. So he he looks like pretty much the complete package. He has pretty much been the consistent number one player all the way through. And if he doesn't finish as the number one player in the in the rankings, it'll probably be because he's already committed and been committed for a long time. You know, I he's very exciting. Jermaine Johnson is very exciting. Um, not quite as big, but definitely like a filled out man coming from a JUCO uh, program. I, I just I think our ability to get after the passer and maybe cover up some of our weaknesses at the inside linebacker spot that we had this year uh, will be really increased. But I also think that like, uh, you know, I think our inside linebackers are going to be better as well. So I just I hope that we are able to have a way more disruptive offense. Mm hmm. I think that's definitely uh, a possibility, considering all the linebackers that we just signed for this, and just total complete athletes that we signed to, yeah. to you know this this coming year. Another inside linebacker we picked up is Tresman Marshall. Yeah, you know Tresman Marshall. About? He looks good. Uh, Nicobe Dean. 
Nicobe Dean, um, sort of like we had like three people who were trying to get on, on, uh, the early sunny day. And Nicobe Dean was the one of the three we got. And he's a great player. I mean, Nicobe Dean is sort of the, he is, if you don't want to use the phrase the next Roquan Smith, but if there's a next Roquan Smith, it's probably Nicobe Dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit smaller, but just fast as hell, cover sideline to sideline, ferocious hitter. Um, Tresman Marshall is a, a similar guy, but just like Tresman Marshall is just like a tough dude. Like he just gets up in people's faces. He'll hit you. He's a really physical player. Um, and a guy that we wanted, a guy that had a yeah. little push from Tennessee that we, we, we went up, we took a visit right before national signing day just to, just to make sure we kept him. Hmm. So, so we got a couple of those guys. I'm also very personally excited in Dominic Blaylock. I am yeah. so jazzed about Dominic Blaylock. Before that we had, uh, Jaden Hazelwood, who ended up just kind of ghosting us after Cheney left and yeah. uh, didn't really ghost us. There was no ghosting. He very publicly left <laughs> um, and had some words to say about it. But now we have Dominic Blaylock and everything's better. And I feel really good about that. Yeah. I mean, Dominic Blaylock is a guy who I think you would say size wise, he looks like on Dominic Blaylock, you know, just on his his, you know, measurements, he looks like more of like a Terry Godwin, we call Hardman type. But I mean, uh, I don't know that either of the guys have the ball skills that, that he has. You know, Terry Godwin had very good ball skill. I mean, he, Terry Godwin has great hands and he ran a really precise route. But Dominic Blaylock goes up and gets the ball in a way that those guys do not. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's only, he's listed right now as... Let me see. He's 6'1", 195. So he's a little taller than Terry Goblin, a little bit bigger. But he plays like a really tall guy, which is the worst kind of, like, it. it is absolutely the worst kind of cliche. But if you look up Dominic Blaylock highlights, I mean, he had two in the uh, in the high school All-American game. He had two touchdowns. He caught two touchdowns and threw for one. And he's just, I mean, he plays like he thinks he's A.J. Green. He's not necessarily A.J. Green, but he can go up and get the ball. He's he's a ferocious blocker even for being undersized he runs a good route and he just makes people he has that me he has that me he has all that and he has that sort of me quality of just people just bounce off of him because he's so shifty um i'm very excited about him you know it, it doesn't totally take out the scene uh the the sting of losing Jaden hazelwood but that that was what it was going to be and you know i don't really have anything to say about that we didn't get him so i'm not really that interested in it <laughs> Like the yeah. only negative thoughts I ever have about a recruit not picking us is that I just I, don't try to get me to care after the fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, that's cool. Okay. Next. Too little, too late. I wish, I wish we'd gotten him. I'm not going to pretend I didn't. Oh, but, for sure. You know, I'm also not going to like s- cry over that spilt milk. Yeah. It is what it is. Uh, last two five stars that we really haven't discussed fully would be Clay Webb. Offensive guard. Yeah. Uh, maybe a center, maybe a center too. Yeah. Webb is. You know, he is a guy that has been committed for a while and he is a, he's kind of been a name that's been around forever. Well, not forever, but for a couple of months, but we got him out of Alabama. We got him out of Oxford, Alabama, and he was a guy that Alabama wanted. And he's probably going to be a center at the next level. And he is like just your prototypical University of Alabama center, a big old boy who is just ferocious. He's 6'3", 295. He does not look fat. He, uh, you know, he's thick in all the right places and he'll just hit the hell out of you. And he is one of those guys who's, it's really crazy that you get two of these guys back to back where 
people were saying about Clay Webb the same thing they said about J- uh, Jamari Wallier or mm-hmm. Jamari Sawyer last year, where it's like this guy's a once in a generation uh, prospect. And so I'm I'm excited about him. You know, it's a very crowded room right now. I think some of those guys are probably going to transfer, mm-hmm. but I'm excited about him anyway because I think that you know having Jamari Sawyer, you know, guys like. Um, Cade Mays, Clay Webb on the inside going forward on top of having Isaiah Wilson and uh, Andrew Thomas for another year or two. Like that's, that's the makings of a very good room. So, or in a very good offensive line as well. And last piece would be Trayvon Walker, Trayvon Walker, defensive tackle. He is yeah huge. He, he actually is maybe my most, he's like, I, I would rather I like I would love to have gotten Jaden Hazelwood in this class, but I actually think that Trayvon Walker is more important to the future of this team. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Walker is the player that we have been missing in this on this team. Trayvon Walker is a sort of no doubt five star defensive tackle who is just an absolute beast. He's a and he's not a he he right now he's six two two seventy two but he's apparently skinny and he has the frame to hold three hundred and he has played outside linebacker inside linebacker defensive tackle nose guard and um defensive end at at the at the second level you know he has an ability he will occasionally coast from play to play but when he chooses to play which you got to figure he will coming in he is one he is probably the best player on the field anytime he touches the ball or anytime he you know anytime the ball is snapped he's the best player on the field um he just is one of these guys where it's like a projection. If you look at the guy, he looks like an outside linebacker. And then you realize like how old he is and how much weight he can fill in mm-hmm. and keep on that frame. And like when he has lined up at nose guard and a defensive tackle, he is just absolutely disruptive. He's not a Terrence Cody, like hold three guys. He is a, he, he is like a, God, I hate to make this comparison, but he really is like one of these, the last couple of nose guards or inside defensive tackles that Alabama has uh, has had where it's just like he is just a pain in the ass to block on every single play and you have to play around him and that is something that we have not had that is something that you know we we didn't get out of our previous five-star defensive tackles and last year honestly we probably didn't have the depth of t- defensive tackle that we wanted to have so i'm i'm very excited about him if you if you just go and look up some like trayvon walker one-on-one stuff from like the from the all-american game it is it is really fun like he is a he's a he's a bad man he is one bad man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, on twenty four seven, there's like a, his one v ones from uh, from the All American game. And what's crazy about him is like he's he's six two two seventy, so he kind of looks like an outside linebacker. And he's lining up against these like three hundred twenty pound centers and just like taking their lunch money. And that's what's crazy. Like he tries to do an outside <laughs> swim move, gets caught, and then just bull rushes the guy over. So like, I cannot emphasize how much Trevon Walker is very likely to be my next like super crush. <laughs> I like it. I'm I'm pre-predicting that it's either going to be Trayvon Walker or Channing Tindall. Trayvon Walker might not start as as fast, so it's probably going to be Channing Tindall. Yeah, Trayvon Walker's got a little bit of uh, you know room to make up because you already have yeah. a little bit of crush on Channing Tindall. Well, Channing Tindall is, I mean, he's not. How can you move on from what you've lost? You know, you can never, you can't, you can't get back the history, and you wouldn't want to because of how much love you have. But like it's still the echoes of like what you had before feels good. <laughs> anyway, that was, that was all about Roquan Smith. Before we, yeah. I, oh, I know. I, I just want to say that I watched the, I watched the, I watched the bears like last eight games just to watch Roquan Smith play. He's so and literally good. would just fast. I would literally just fast forward through when they had the ball on offense. He's so good. Did not care. All hey, right. So what are we, we talking about coaches? Have we well, done that yet? Before we move on from recruiting, I just want to bring attention to just one player that's kind of gone under the radar. Uh, Xavier Tress. He is six, seven, 317. 
and mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. looks mm-hmm. like Jay Chandrasekhar from Super Troopers, but a football player. He's got. Does he face. really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you the link real quick. Cause uh, no, yeah, I'm, I, I got it. I got it. Good. Oh no, he does. He does. Like a oh very my God, serious. He does look like the guy from Super Troopers. He's gonna make you drink a bottle of syrup. <laughs> I hope I said his name right too. But I think yeah, that's yeah. pretty right. I mean, he was a guy that we that had gotten offered by had gotten offers by Alabama, uh-huh. um, and had, was kind of a Penn State lean for a while. But he's from Rhode Island of all t- places, and mm-hmm. it was just he, he's one of those guys that's kind of flown under the radar because it's like, oh, Jim Cheney or not Jim Cheney, uh, Sam Pittman recruited another four star tackle. Yeah, ho hum. And then we got the other guy from Brunswick. The other, um, there's another offensive tackle we have. The our, our second offensive tackle we have uh, is from Brunswick, and he is named Warren McClendon, mm-hmm. who is another four star, who's six four three eighteen. So we just don't talk about because it's he's another it's like one. whatever. He's another one. Um, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. This, is, I mean, it, I mean, if you get your head out of the narratives mindset and you just look at this class in a in a in a vacuum, which is ranked, by the way, second right now with 23 commits, five commits behind Alabama at first mm-hmm. with a with only a like 0. 0.6 point difference between uh, an average class ranking and only a, an 11 point difference and overall raw points. I mean, like it's hard to be upset about that. And like we're at three, we're at 304 in overall raw points. They're at 315. So we're about 11 points down. Then uh, Texas A&M is third at 284. Yeah. So it's just like. It's hard for me to be upset. It's just hard for me to be upset about that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, it's hard. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, it's hard for me to spin that in a negative way. I, I'm not sure there is a negative way. We have a, a yeah. fantastic class coming in, and mm-hmm. it's just going to be another good year. We still have another signing day to go through as well, and so it only gets better from here. Next piece of just kind of general football news. You know, I, I think we've all kind of followed the Justin Fields situation for a little while. We talked about it a little bit. He's off to Ohio State. Maybe we'll see him in the playoffs. Who can say? We don't, also don't know if he'll be actually eligible to play this following year yet. Yeah. yeah. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I just wanted to mention Jalen Hurts because, you know, Jalen, it's one, kind of one of those guys, you'll probably be able to say this a bit more poetically than I, I am, uh, but it, it's just like during the national championship game, his story was so perfect and so poetic that there was no way I could be mad at him. It's not his fault. And I'm just happy to see him go somewhere else and do his thing. And I hope he has a successful career. I hope he goes to Oklahoma for his own sake, really. I think he'd be good at Oklahoma. I think he'd be good at Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Miami's rebuilding, but I, re- I really do think Manny Diaz is uh, is a really good coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he listens to this, but one of my... Um, Jalen Hurts? No, no, no. I, uh, <laughs> if I, let me finish my sentence. I don't know if he listens <laughs> to this, but a guy that I knew in college... Uh, Daniel McNamara, who played trumpet with me, is Manny Diaz's cousin. Huh. So when we went to Mississippi State while I was in band with the band, uh, and DMAC was there, and he was like, hey, I got to go down on the field. I'll see you guys in a little bit. He had come separately from the ga- from the band. And he just like walked out on the field and said hi to his cousin, who we saw all the time. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's Manny Diaz. He's my cousin. And that's was, really what? cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I-, I hope he goes to Oklahoma. Uh, probably go to Miami or Maryland most likely because he has family and old coaching relationships there. Like Oklahoma would make more sense for him though. But that's my bid on Jalen Hurts. I don't know if he throws well enough to go to Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. Coaching updates. This is a situation with the coaching updates. Jim Cheney's gone. Went to Tennessee. He's making a boatload of money. It's absurd. It's almost obscene. Uh, yeah. Sources say we are very lucky to have kept Sam Pittman. 
uh, he ended up staying for the amount of money we offered him to be the O line coach, who uh, is arguably well, the, I think, the best I think O line coach. He's going to get an he's going to get an upgrade in title. I think he'll probably be like co OC or something. Or co DC or yeah, co OC. That makes sense with uh, with. And we're I think we're going to make him the highest paid offensive line coach in the nation. I, I really do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely think so. Um, with Sam Pittman sitting there, we did just move James Coley laterally up. We just dropped the co off his name, and now he's the offensive coordinator officially. Yeah, so yeah. At least there's that. We're we're sitting pretty. Um, and then yeah. in the last twelve hours, we did just hear that Todd Hartley is now the new tight ends coach, which will round out our uh, offensive coaching line and position coaches and finish that up, yeah. make it real nice. But Todd Hartley is actually a fantastic pick that I'm super excited yeah. about. He brings a nice Florida recruiting pool. He is actually yeah. a Georgia alum. He has already worked with Georgia three times. <laughs> yeah. Or this might be I, his I'm, third I'm, time. I'm excited about both of those. Uh, let's talk about, I guess we'll go in reverse order. Todd yeah. Hartley, he was, he's coached all over. He coached here in 2008 and nine. Mm-hmm. He's most famous. And I actually remember this. He was the guy who, when Millie Martinez got fired, he was the random grad assistant that helped with coming up with the game plan um, for the 2008 Liberty Bowl, which is when we played and beat the crap out of Texas A&M. It was a fun game. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I remember that because that was when Christina Stoop like directed maybe the, the most energetic version of Shout It Out that the Red Cup band has ever played. So he bounced around. He went to Marshall. He was on the defensive side of the ball when he was here. Then he bounced around. He ends up cut. He he goes to Marshall and coaches like defensive backs. He ends up gets switched over to tight end. Then um, he's at Georgia as like the director of player personnel, which is sort of the general manager position that runs like recruiting. He gets let go when um, Mark Richt gets let go and immediately hired as the tight ends coach. Like right after that, like two days later when Mark Richt uh, gets the Miami job. So he's at Miami for a while. Mark, Mark Richt gets fired. And actually I think, like they were trying to keep him. Miami was, he had not yet officially been fired uh, when he took the job at, uh, at, at Georgia. Like you said, he has a really good recruiting. Uh, he has really good recruiting profile. He recruits a lot out of Duval County. And there's actually like a couple of like 2019, 2020 guys that he has ends with that might help us. Um, Arik Gil- Gilbert is a, an athlete defensive back that we really want that he has a really good in with. So, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know how to say this. Like, I'm not sure how much of a net positive the tight end coach has been on the development of tight ends over the past two or three years. And I am not sure how much the tight end, I, I think the tight end um, position at Georgia has been kind of a sad forgotten relic of what it once was. And so I'm really hope I'm really hoping to see between him and James Colley, who he's worked with before at Miami and who was, you know, just, well, no, they didn't overlap in Miami, but who he has worked with before and who is a guy who really likes tight end screens, the guy who really likes seam routes. I'm really hoping the tight end becomes more of a thing. And, you know, as for James Coley, it's hard to judge him on what he did when he was the, um, he was the offensive coordinator at Miami, Miami yep. for 2015, 2000, 2013, 2015 at Miami during the Al Golden years. They were crappy years. His defenses were not very highly ranked in raw defense or in, his offenses were not very ra- highly ranked in raw offense however i will say if you go back and look it up he was in the top 50 of smp plus offensively both years he was like 36th in 2015 not great numbers but also you're talking about miami talent and you're talking about clearly a clearly a not a good situation i you know looking at some of the play calls that he's made he really likes screens he really likes quick outs he likes a quarterback who gets rid of the ball fast. He likes to run outside. He likes to toss pitch. He's he's going to bring back some of the stuff that we missed from the sort of Mark Richt era. I think we're going to see more screens. I think we're going to see more um, pitches. I think we're going to see more seam routes. Um, and, you know, I, part of me wishes that we had made a more sort of 
innovative hire, but that's not what Kirby wants to do. And so even if we had hired the most innovative guy we could find who was from some NAIA school and was just throwing the ball around 35 times, yeah, or 50 times a game, that wasn't what was going to happen anyway. And I do think, Todd Hartley, what you were talking about is you don't think anything super crazy is going to happen with the tight end position, but I, I do think we might we will definitely see a, a little bit of change just because in the past few yeah. years, especially in, in the Kirby Smart era, we haven't had anybody that's like incredibly excited or incredibly passionate about that position. So, well, and I see. I think this is part of the problem. So it's like you you stop recruiting fullbacks. You don't use a fullback. You're going to use your tight ends as blockers like that, mm-hmm. and then you don't get your tight ends involved in the game. And then when you ask them to make a key block on you know a fourth and goal or a first and goal, they can't make it. And it's like, well, no, shit. like you just you just I would, you've let it atrophy. So I just hope I'm not saying throw the ball to the tight ends ten times a game. I'm just saying throw four or five targets a game it's not hard no it's really not hard getting from two to three targets a game to tight ends to four to five is you know it's not really hard and Fromm likes his tight ends so we'll see what happens with that well he likes his tight ends when he has the opportunity to throw to them yeah (laughs) that is a, a very important aspect to that piece other defensive ideas what's going on in the defensive side of the ball do you have any what are you hearing i'm, I'm hearing there's a lot of interviews going up but it has been selected for the defensive coordinator position. <sighs> yeah so everything i've read just from getting on rivals in 24 7 and just you know different all sorts of different places is that and i don't think this is like insider information or anything it seems like a lot of people think that glenn schumann and dan lanning are going to be um promoted as co-dcs mm-hmm. and end up being like you know schumann's calling the plays but we want to or sorry, Lanning's calling the plays, but we really want to keep Schumann because, as we said before, Schumann is Kirby's Kirby, mm-hmm. someone who he's been grooming for a long time. Um, so I'm not really upset about that. I think Schumann and Lanning, see, they're excellent recruiters, Lanning in particular. Um, they have great defensive bona fides. Um, you know, I you can't understate what Mill Tucker did for this program, and I think he did more than most people realize. I think he was really good at making a defensive game plan. But I also think... He he would sometimes rely on the talent he had a little bit too much and not try to get disruptive. And I would just like to see a little bit more disruption. And so we'll see. You know, I'm that's that's all I'd like to see when it comes to play calling. As for defensive backs coach, you know, there have been a lot of people interviewed. One really intriguing name, and I don't know if this is going to happen. It probably seems less likely than more likely. Sorry. It probably seems more likely that this won't happen than it will. But we did interview Corey Redman, who is currently the defensive backs coach at LSU. And that would be a really, really exciting hire because he's produced some of the better. He's not just like developed some of the better uh, defensive backs in, in the last 10 years in the SEC and in college football in general, but also been like the guy recruiting them. He has amazing recruiting bona fides, especially with defensive backs. And also he just produces great defensive backs. So I, I'm, I'd be very excited about that. But there have been a lot of people interviewed and apparently in the next couple of days probably 30 minutes after we release this tomorrow we're going to hear about the whoever the defensive backs coach is but i'm yeah. expecting it to be two co-dcs and then and then the defensive backs coach we'll see what happens i'm excited to hear what else do you uh anything else uh, worth reporting any off-season news or any good off-season content that you have been following well i think that my wife should be offensive coordinator at the university of georgia yeah um, we were talking about this today because it's on the UGA website, uh, the UGA job website, and Samantha's looking <laughs> on it. And we and I was like, "Well, you should stress your uh, your video game experience." And, except Samantha's never played a football video game, so she was like, "I got the big horse," 
because in Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, there's this like giant horse you can tame. And so she got it and named it Silencer and then ran around on this giant ass horse called Silencer, which was just this really like really, really just big dick energy move on her part. <laughs> so we, we started composing letters from her to Kirby about the offensive line or about the offensive coordinator position. And they're really quite good. Um, I put this on Twitter, but I just like to read a couple of excerpts from it, if you don't mind. Oh, please. Um, let's see. So the first one. So the, we wrote three in all. So the first one, this one was sort of the, the, the first text of the rough draft. Dear Kirby, <laughs> do you think someone that captured this big horse or this glowing beast <laughs> would have gone for a fake punt on fourth and 12 from the 50 with the college football playoff on the line? I don't. And neither does my big horse. Sincerely. <laughs> Your next offensive coordinator, who will run the ball when we're down a touchdown with a back of averaging 5.8 yards per carry, Samantha. That was the first one. Oh, there's more than one. Oh, there's three. Dear Kirby, <laughs> it's me again. Look at this save file for Mario Kart 8. <laughs> I'm not that good, but even someone who has all th- who only has all three stars on 100cc could tell you that you should run play action when you have the ball inside the, fir- the, the one on seven consecutive plays. Even Wario or Tanuki Mario could tell you that, and they're stupid. <laughs> Regards. Number eight on the track, but number one on your list of OC candidates, Samantha. (laughs) And finally, dear Kirby, this is a video of me hurting myself unintentionally in Zelda Breath of the Wild. I have all four divine beasts in most of the shrines, and I still do dumb stuff. So it's okay that it's it's okay to admit that you messed up when you hired a nice man who looks like a living pile of mashed potatoes to run a (laughs) dynamic, fast offense. Look at this picture of Link (laughs) cross-dressing. My offense will look like that. Not like Ganondorf had sex with a tuber, which is what the man I'm replacing looks like. <laughs> Yours in love and in hope, your master sword, Samantha. <laughs> All right. I'm going to delete everything that we just talked about for the last 40 minutes, and this is the new episode. Yeah. That's I it. I think we should just have that be the cold open. Yep. That's, all, just all three of those. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, Thank you, Samantha, for all of that. Yeah. Samantha, Samantha, is, Samantha is the best of me. So anything that I do that's good is basically, it's basically just all Samantha all the way down. It's like the turtles all the way down. Um, <laughs> hey, before we get out of here, let's go over that uh, that one CBC we have. Oh, we actually have two Ask CBCs. Oh. Ready for this? Okay, so first, from uh, Abby Key. Uh, Ask CBC, what is your favorite hot take about the coaching staff changes, UGA and non-UGA related? My favorite hot take is that we are on like our fifth choice for everything. Because Eddie, Gr- Eddie Gran has the same... Eddie Gran, the offensive coordinator at, at Kentucky, has the same... The, the same is agent as Kirby Smart, Jimmy Sexton, and Eddie Grand. It was reported by some dude inside of Kentucky's inside of Kentucky's team on a, at a radio station that Eddie Grand had been offered the OC job. Eddie Grand had not been offered the OC job. Jimmy Sexton dropped that dropped that rumor so that you know Kentucky would give Eddie Grand a raise. That is what happened. And we might have been interested in Eddie Grand, but let's not like act like there was an offer on the table. That was stupid. That's 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 the one I hate is when people are like, oh, you got rejected when it's like, no, people just put rumors out there so they can get more money. Yeah. That's the way the game works. That's kind of the whole thing. I did hear, I, I followed very uh, very shortly, because I don't think it lasted very long, the, the Kirby Smart to Buccaneers thing. Uh, that the Buccaneers yeah. tried to approach Kirby and they were like, ah, ah. And they, he said, they might have. No. But <laughs> like, yeah, I was about to say. They might have, but I would be, yeah, I would not, I would not, that would not be my first worry of Kirby leaving. I don't think Kirby's leaving anywhere. I really don't. Um, unless, unless he wins a bunch, I, I, I just don't. Yeah. It's hard for me to see right now. And all right. Non-UGA related is just the Cliff Kingsbury mess. Yeah. The yeah. Absolute Cliff mess. Kingsbury. He, 
Well, USC, man, like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, just let him go interview. If you let him... So, Cliff Kingsbury takes the USC job, the USC offensive coordinator job. He gets contacted about NFL teams for head coaching jobs. Head coaching jobs, not other offensive coordinator jobs in the NFL. And they block him from talking to them. So, he quits and then takes the Arizona Cardinals job. <laughs> I don't know if it was a good idea to hire him. I don't care. That's not the point. The point is, if you're if you're USC, it's like, well, if we let him go, he might go. But if we piss him off, he definitely will. I don't get how that it, that department's being run right now. Mm-mm. Makes no All sense. Right. Uh, next from Jennifer B at Chapel Bell or at Capital Bell. Um, ask CBC, what fast food would you serve to the national championships if you were POTUS? The look now, I have an answer. I, to this. I do have a, a point to say about this. Like, it's Clemson. Clemson is from the southeast of the United States, and I just got to say. The Southeast United States has some of the best fast food that you completely glanced over. You put yes. McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, and you have Chick-fil-A, you have Zaxby's, you have... Zaxby's! Yeah. Raisin f***ing canes. Give me a click, please. F***ing raisin f***ing canes. Jesus Christ. And raisin canes. Raisin canes. <laughs> raisin canes. Popeyes. Pop Popeyes. Bojangles. Yeah. It ain't that f***ing hard. Missed the boat on that one sir and it, it's just uh, uh. also it's just Look, I, i'm not i'm not gonna get into how like this is the this is the ultimate exemplar of the disease that has overcome america where our tawdry sort of shallow vapid one atom thick analysis of every situation results in the most just vacuous interpretation and action from our the highest level of our government that used to be so freighted with dignity and so freighted with meaning and with the long arc of history and justice but now all of that has been thrown out because no one in that house can read at an eighth grade level but i'm not going to get into that because i just said i wasn't (laughs) that's so considerate of you nathan (laughs) yeah um i guess that's our show that's the show we make or something it's something like it yeah it's really it's something similar so see did you notice that i i left the political rant till the very end yeah so it's easier so for like, me to find this it point, and delete it well <laughs> yeah or if if or if it's still in it's easier for you it's easier for people to just stop listening yeah like ah, i've had enough of this today that's fine but yeah this is uh this has been our show and uh, by the way we're still working on reaching out to folks about their stories for the off season yeah i have uh i've, I've begun reaching out to people so uh, if you had reached out before and you haven't heard from me yet, then you will hear from me in the next few days. If you still have a story that you want to share, um, I'm actually going to put a, a Google survey on the show notes of this episode. So you can actually just hit that on your and podcast. We'll, we'll tweet it too. Yeah, we'll tweet it. We'll I'll tweet put it, it on too. the show notes and click that and it'll ask you a few questions about your show so that we can put it in a beautiful spreadsheet that you know we can read more easily and we can reach out to you uh, more efficiently and effectively. So all those things will happen and more. And the shows could be about anything. We want to hear all your stories. It could be short. It could be long. It could be about love. It could be about hate. It could be about football. Probably both if it's a college football story. Yeah. So let us know. We want to hear them. And I, I'm pretty sure there's someone out there who also wants to hear it too. So let us know. Yeah. So this has been uh, something like Chapel Bell Curve. You can still find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you can subscribe to a podcast. We'd really like for you to go listen to this on Spotify if you don't already. If you already have a Spotify account, listen to this on Spotify because I think Spotify is the future and everything's going to happen. They're curating a beautiful podverse, like a beautiful podscape that uh, they only keep quality shows on there. And I'd like to think that we're one of them, but hop on there, listen to it on Spotify. I don't know what the algorithm looks like, but it couldn't hurt. (laughs) <laughs> couldn't hurt <laughs> uh yeah just search our name though and you can find just about anything about us our facebook our twitter our instagram our website that we really don't touch 
often. We also have a Patreon, so if you like what you hear and you like, you want us to keep making it, that kind of thing, you want us to have more time to do this sort of thing, you can throw us a dollar a month. We'd be really appreciative. If you heard that long, beepy silence towards the end of this podcast, you want to know exactly what I said? It'll be in there. Um, it'll be in there. <laughs> uh, the, the one that's just a long beep with all of the articles left out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that. Yeah. That's going to be in there. But uh, yeah, hop on our Patreon and check that out. It's patreon.com slash chapelbellcurve. And uh, if you liked today's episode, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. We will uh, like that very much. We'll even read it on air because we really appreciate that kind of stuff. Feel free to shoot us questions on uh, chapelbellcurve at gmail.com or any of our social media as well. We will read those on air as well through our Ask CBC segment. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll catch you in the classic city until, you know, next time the we get a wild hair or I don't know. I don't know yeah, what this it won't be too release long. schedule is. It won't be too long. What is a release we'll, schedule We'll figure anymore? something out. I'm lost in the wilderness, Nathan. I don't have a podcast to work on every week. Listen, here's the thing. You need to treat these, dear listener, treat these like this. Sometimes you're having a bad day and someone presents you with this act of kindness. They buy you a coffee or they say, hey, how are you doing? And they just listen to you. Or one of your or your spouse or significant over just comes and scratches your back and runs their hand through your hair grazes the, the the beautiful supple arc of your jaw and you feel this sense of release as though your brain had been a clenched hand that didn't realize <laughs> that unclenching was the natural state i think you should treat our episodes like one of those moments when you start to expect these things you get so caught up in things and power and objects just let them happen i think that uh, i i really feel like the end of this episode is the best part of this episode and i really hope that people make it to the end the last <laughs> the last 20 minutes of this episode have just been woo boy way better uh, uh, you really need to put something when we do the when we do the social media for this we're going to definitely have to put something about like oh yeah get to the last 20 because that's where that's where the money maker is that's some good stuff back there the first 40 minutes leave it leave it at home you don't need it yeah <laughs> that's all the sports stuff get <laughs> scrub right through the sports stuff and get to this the good <laughs> <laughs> all right but yeah until next time, we'll catch you guys at the Classic City. And until then, as always, go dogs. Go dogs.